Hi, thanks for joining us on Hometown to Hollywood. This is Bonnie Wallace, author of The Hollywood Parents Guide and Young Hollywood Actors. My guest on this episode is producer, writer, and showrunner Diane Burroughs. Diane is best known for This Is What Democracy Looks Like, Still Standing, Rita Rocks, Yes Dear, and The Drew Carey Show. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Brighton Hall, a school for young professionals in Los Angeles. For child actors, balancing work and school can be tough. Afternoon auditions and long days on set are just part of the business. Many schools have strict attendance policies, while homeschooling lacks community and guidance. Brighton Hall is the perfect combination of academics and flexibility. Their short school day and light workload is geared towards students whose afternoons are spent pursuing their dreams. Brighton Hall's small class size allows for a more personal learning experience, and course material is available online for actors on set. Find out more at brightonhallschool.org. Also, to build a better community, Brighton Hall proudly hosts the Young Performer Expo. This annual event helps children with talent in art and entertainment find industry resources to further their careers. Don't miss it. Saturday, May 2nd at 1 p.m. Attend a seminar, find your next studio, and discover new services. Register for free at youngperformerexpo.com. Diane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming over. (laughs) How did you get started in film and TV? Was this something that you always knew you wanted to do? I always was a writer. I'm originally from the Chicago area, and I was a stand-up comic and an improviser there. And I was with a place called the Improv Olympic, and I studied with uh, the man who in, kind of invented it, Del Close. And while I was there learning those skills, it was very much like sitcom writing in that it, there was kind of three acts with two songs or other improvised things in between. That really got me familiarized kind of with the form, and then I just started writing scripts on my own, spec scripts, and having them read by people. And then uh, I was given an opportunity to pitch to Married with Children. So I just got rid of everything I owned and uh, packed up my car and drove out here, also with no place to live. And the rest is history. <laughs> Herstory. <laughs> I love those stories. Threw it all in the car and came to L.A. Oh, my gosh. Now, did you do that after they'd accepted something of yours at, at, at Married with Children? No. They just said, come in and pitch. Based on that, I moved wow. to Los Angeles, California. <laughs> What's your opinion of that? Because we did something similar, and I always tell everybody, like, don't do that. That's nuts. We were lucky. We shouldn't have been. This is the thing. If you want to be in show business, you have to live in Los Angeles. <sighs> yeah. There's no other place that you can live. Yeah. That's it. You can, you can go as far as, what, what, I, what I think is a good idea personally, is to go as far as you can where you are and then make the jump. And that's basically what you did. Yes. You know? Yes. You put in your time training, learning, doing stuff. Right. Learning improv, learning the structure of the writing with comedy, and then you threw it all in a car. Right. And I mean, I had already, I had written 14 spec scripts because there's really no place to learn sitcom writing. In Chicago, you have to just do it. You have to study the form and just do it until you're good at it. 
And so I didn't dare throw my stuff in the car and come out here without really knowing that I could really do the job that I was wanting to do. Yeah. So at that point, you really were ready to make the jump. Yes. It wasn't as crazy as it sounds. <laughs> I know. In our, our situation similar. It's not like we just decided one day to do it. There'd been years of learning by doing and some training and all that. Um I find there's a lot of confusion over how the writing and producing process actually works in television. Can you remove some of that mystery for us? Yes. Um, there is a writer's room, and you bat around ideas for the series or the pilot, and uh, you have to run everything by about 20 different people. So it really is comedy by committee. And, uh, for instance, my show was a co-production. So I had two different production companies, and then it was on the CBS network, so I also had the network. And so I also have the censor for the network, uh, the standards and practice people. So uh, there's a lot of things that don't have anything to do with writing that have to do with producing. Yeah, no, you're so right. I think you're the first producer that's ever brought up the S&P, the standards and practices. And I remember vividly when Dove was doing Live and Maddie, you know, they'd be in the middle of filming and then everything would stop and someone would say, wait a minute, S&P says we can't do this. That's right. <laughs> and it was something really... It didn't seem like anything. It like, often is like that. But like in Japan, this is you can't you can't you know make this hand gesture because over there it means something else or you know something that you don't even know that you don't know. Exactly. <laughs> That's crazy. Right. Yeah. So here you are as a writer and you're writing scripts and you're you're producing things, but you're subject to all kinds of stuff. So so if you write a basic script in committee with your room of ten or twelve writers, mm -hmm. and then it has to go through everybody's approval, maybe a couple of different productions companies, etc. What's the timeline on all that? Well, we usually uh, start out, of course, with an outline, a very detailed outline. We would do like a 12-page outline, maybe throw in a few jokes. So those people that approve already had an idea of what the script is going to be, the story of the script. So they're not seeing something brand new for the first time. They already approve the outline. So you're already, you know, part of the way home with that. Um, but then, you know, the other thing is sitcoms are, you know, 20 minutes and 39 seconds. So you have to consider the time or the laugh spread and things of that nature that you don't have to consider in drama. Wow. So, you know, there's a lot of editing on tape night in my head because, oh, when we rehearsed, that was a teeny laugh and the audience just laughed for 15 entire seconds. <laughs> You could knock something out of the script with that extra 15 seconds, couldn't you? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, in a lot of these sitcoms, it's funny because people think there's like, oh, it's all laugh track. They're recorded in front of a live audience, a lot of these, or at least, at least partially. Yes, we would always pre-shoot a couple scenes, but then we do the whole thing from start to finish in front of the live audience because it really helps your actor's performance mm -hmm. when they know there's really a laugh there. Mm -hmm. So it actually feels more like theater for the actors. Very much so. Yeah, which is a super fun experience, actually. Um, now, you're not only a writer and a producer, but you're also a showrunner. Yes. Can you explain what does that mean? <laughs> a showrunner is a person that started out as staff writer and worked their way up to, you know, producer, co-producer, supervising producer, co-executive producer, and then showrunner. And that means that I created the show. 
I sold the show, I pitched the show, and I run the day-to-day of the entire mechanism that is the show. It's your baby. Yes. The buck stops where you are. Exactly. <laughs> so, unless it's the producers who are, or the, the production. So if it stops where you are, but wait a second, there's still CBS, right? Or whoever. Exactly. But all of the day-to-day things, you know, for instance, if I'm casting a co-star role, I'm going to narrow it down from 30 people to three people, put those three on tape and get that to the casting people who gets that to the network. So, you know, that's how you, I am the narrow downer of this huge, you know, boatload of stuff that must be done. So let's talk about casting right now because you're jumping into it. So how involved are writers and producers in the casting process for pilots and movies you're, if you're the showrunner, you're not the casting director. Oh, yes, but the thing is, this is how it works. As soon as I even come up with an idea, it's even at outline phase, I am meeting with the casting director, and I say, hey, there's a guest starring role coming up, and the network wants a name. Can you put together a list of approvable people for this role? So she's got the ball rolling two months before we ever even film it because she has to give me you know, choices of people. And then we narrow those choices down and then, uh, people come in and read and then we narrow those choices down. And then we have the network people come in and they audition for them and then they're cast. That's a process. Yes, it really is a process. <laughs> now, and for some guest star roles, I mean, some guest stars are, are heavily recurring. They're so heavily recurring. They're, they feel like, you know, series regulars, even though they're technically not. Um, others, it's just a one and done. Right. It may be one line. Yeah. Yeah. But I tell actors, like, that is just as important as any other role because, you know, that will get you, let's say, your health insurance minimum or that line may be in a show that is sold into syndication and you may get a little green envelope for that one line for the next five years. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it really is sort of no small parts, only small actors, truly. It really, truly is, especially now. Yeah. The content is king. So between the internet and, and, you know, features and television, it's just... You know, there's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. And that's exciting because for an actor, that means there's a lot of opportunity. Very much so. A lot of surface area. You mentioned a minute ago that, you know, maybe, you know, you've got an important guest star role coming up. Maybe it's kind of pivotal in terms of plot, etc. So sometimes you might tell the casting director, we want a name for this role. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, yes. Um, In order to promote during sweeps... You really need something that is, quote-unquote, promotable. So that's why, for instance, a very successful show will go to Hawaii. <laughs> exactly. Something exciting and different. Right. They will really be in Hawaii. That's crazy and so expensive. But a show more like a, a regular sitcom that it's not a mega hit, you have to do something that excites the affiliates, mm. the affiliates, promote your show, right? Mm -hmm. And so you want to give them something to tell their ad people, hey, you know, I don't know, Cheryl Teagues is the guest star on, you know, this upcoming episode or somebody that's really trending, Mm -hmm. some YouTuber or something, so that um, they know 
what's coming their way, the publicity and promotion people. Yeah. Because I, I also have to meet with them and let them know what's coming up and who we're considering casting. And I even ask them, do you think these people are promotable? Because I don't know. Yeah. I don't pretend to know your job. Yeah. And so they may go down the list and go, oh, no, oh, no. Oh, that person just did an arc on another show. Because there's how many shows on television? I can't watch every single show. Not anymore. No. Right? And their agent isn't going to put them out of a job by saying, oh, they just played a secretary last week on blah, blah, blah. Right. A competing show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that happens all the time. So. <laughs> wow. Hi. With the entertainment industry changing every day, I'm continuing to work to be a source of inspiration and information in your life. As it's been for five seasons and over 120 episodes, the Hometown to Hollywood podcast will be there for you. Now, I'm asking you to be there for us. The podcast has been a labor of love for years, and now I'm asking if Hometown to Hollywood's been a friend to you, if it's helped, educated, and inspired you, Please become a supporter of the podcast. For only $5 a month, the price of a latte, you can become a friend of the podcast and help me afford to continue to do the work that you've come to depend on for honest, insightful interviews that shed light on how to succeed in the entertainment industry. If you can afford it, pitch in $10 a month and become a good friend of the podcast. Your support helps supplement the people who can only give $5 a month. Join now, just go to hometowntohollywood.supportingcast.fm. That's hometowntohollywood.supportingcast.fm. And in just two clicks, you can have access to the complete version of this incredibly informative conversation, as well as each upcoming episode and the entire collection of over 120 past episodes. If you can't afford $5 a month to subscribe, the first 10 minutes of every episode will still be available for free. Subscribers get the full episodes delivered right to their inbox. Thank you. I appreciate your support, and I can't wait to share the exciting upcoming conversations with you. Meanwhile, if you could use some one-on-one -on -one coaching, invest in a video consultation session with me. Just go to hometowntohollywood.com and click on the consultation page. In 60 or 90 minutes, you can get peace of mind and a detailed action plan. Remember, the future belongs to those who believe in their dreams.